coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today is my longtime co-host, Curtis. And we are very excited today to begin our spring practice preview series. It's hard to believe it, but it is almost here with the first practice slated to be next week, March 17th, next Tuesday to be exact. I'm very excited about this personally because this is one of those off-season markers that I use to count down towards the season. I honestly, personally, it's just a me thing. I loathe those daily countdowns that start to emerge as the summer approaches because for me at least... Looking at that number day by day by day, it just makes the offseason seem so, so much longer than it actually is. It makes the season seem so far away. So I whittle it down to a few big markers. The February signing day is the first big one for me. Then the Star Spring Drills, where we are right now. Then G-Day, followed by SEC Media Days over the summer. And finally, the start of fall camp in late July, early August. So we are moving right along in the offseason and we are pumped to have some actual on-field football to talk about. And today, we're going to focus our attention exclusively on the offense. We're going to save the defense for our next episode, but today it is all about the O. We're going to look at each position group, discuss the storylines, handicap the position battles, and kind of just have some fun with this today. And Kurt, let's start with the big picture before we move into all the different specific position groups. We'll get to all that here in just a few minutes. But let's take a look at, at the bigger picture around this offense to start things off. Obviously, the hire of new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, that adds a certain level of intrigue and mystery to the equation as we head into spring drills. After four years of Jim Chaney and James Coley's more antiquated pro-style attack, we all know a lot of fans out there, and Kurt, I think you and I included in this, were kind of hungry for an offensive revolution of sorts. Maybe that's revolution, that word's only be a little bit too strong, but a change akin to what we saw. Just almost like a, a you know, some new airs, you know, some new yeah, just, yeah, just something different, right? Like just something that will, will maybe spark a little bit in this offense that can keep it. I, I'm not even going to say on pace what the defense has been able to do last year, but, but at least where the offense is not a liability. Is that at least fair at this point? Yeah. I mean, not to where the defense is on the field the whole game, having to hold on at the very end. Right, exactly, exactly. So if we can just get some some competent play out of our offense, I mean, revolution would be great. Like if we can get anywhere near what we saw from LSU, I'm not, I'm certainly not counting on that. Uh, and I don't think that should be the standard, but just a little bit better, a little less antiquated. Take advantage of the evolution of the advances in modern college football more so than we ever did under Jim Chaney and James Coley the first four years of Kirby Smart's tenure as the head coach here in Athens. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But Kurt, I, we're entering, I mean, this is this is the first set of practices with a new with a new offensive coordinator. I don't want to say an entirely new offensive staff because that's not true. It's really just the coordinator more than anything. But what role do you think spring practice is going to play in the evolution of our offense? How, however our offense evolves, what should the goals be this spring for Todd Munkin and company? Um, I, the biggest thing to me is probably trying to get everyone on the same page. I mean, it, it really bothered me last year that, I mean, our offense didn't change much last year, but there was a lot of disconnect between the receivers and the quarterback. 
So especially this year, as you're learning a new offense, we're probably breaking in a new quarterback, um, a Jamie Newman, more than likely. But even then, um, just in general, the, the quarterback room for the most part is new, except for Stetson Bennett. So just trying to get him them broken into the offense, understanding it quickly, being able to be you know the leaders out there that can get people in the right position, and just getting them on the same page with all our skill players, receivers running the correct route trees and things, and just I, I think that's the biggest thing is just trying to instill it, it as almost muscle memory to where these guys, when it comes fall and summer and things like that, they're you know, not trying to still learn the offense, but more or less uh, refine it and, you know, get everything ready to go. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm kind of on the same page with you here. Look, my goals for this spring offensively are not very aggressive. They're really not. To me, what the spring is about, especially when you have a new coordinator coming in and try to install a new, a new system, at least a system that's different than what we've had. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like at this point. We have some ideas based on what he's done in the past. It stops like Southern Miss and Oklahoma State, but we don't know exactly for sure what it's going to look like. We still don't know if Kirby's going to completely pull his hands off of the steering wheel here and allow Todd Mungin to do whatever he wants to do. You have to think that's going to happen. At least I'm, I'm, I'm kind of expecting that to happen because I have a hard time thinking a guy like Todd Munkin with his reputation, a guy that's coming from the NFL, would come here to Athens. Although it's a great opportunity unless he feels like he has full control of his offense. So I think Kirby is going to release some power there. Uh, but we still have, that, that all remains to be seen. So for me, when you have a new coordinator uh, kind of implementing a new system with potentially a new starting quarterback – it's all about the basics for me. It's about basic install. Get your basic install in. And what I mean by that is like your core plays. Like we're not going to install the entire playbook uh, throughout the course of spring. We're going to get, I, I think, well, well, we'll see. I don't, I, I don't want to speak in absolutes. We'll see what, what plans Todd Munkin has. But tradition, what you would see is just kind of basic install. Get your core plays. And like you, like you said, Kurt, kind of just run those over and over and over again until you feel comfortable with those because you base everything else off of those core plays. And you want to get to the point where those plays become just second nature. And then, of course, you build from there. But you got to start with the basics. And to me, a big part of this, this spring practice is figuring out what we have to work with on offense. Todd Munkin needs to figure out who he has to work with before he goes and he really makes definitive determinations on what he wants his offense to actually end up looking like this year. Like what we can actually do, how much of his typical offense can we actually run this year with the talent and the skill sets that we have on hand. A big part of that is figuring out where guys fit in your offense. Who do you have a receiver? What kind of running backs do you have? What kind of quarterback do you have? What are their skill sets? Where do these guys fit? And then once you figure those things out, you figure out the talent you, that you have to work with offensively, then you go about designing things to fit that personnel from April to August. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. Again, my, my goals are not that aggressive this spring. Basic install, core plays, that kind of stuff. Figure out what kind of talent you have to work with, what the skill sets you have on dis- at your disposal, and then kind of go about designing things from that point on. And uh by the time we hit fall camp, then you really start to install everything and you start to get more game ready because you've already have an idea of, of the talent you have to work with, the skills that you have to work with at your disposal. So that, that's kind of what I'm hoping for and what I'm looking for from the offense this spring. But all right, let's move into the specific position groups and let's take a look at the storylines and position battles to watch over the course of spring practice on the offensive side of the ball. And let's start. Let's go ahead, man. Let, let's open it up. Let's start with the most important position on the field. Which, for my money, I don't know about all you guys out there, Kurt, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but for my money, the quarterback is still the most important position on the field. We all know that Jamie Newman has come in as a grad transfer from Wake Forest. That's obvious. We know that. That's not news to anybody. He was very productive for Wake Forest last year. And and to me, like, he kind of represents a potential changing of the guard, not just in terms of him being the guy potentially to replace Jake Fromm, but 
more than that, he's a guy with a skill set that could potentially revolutionize that position for us moving forward. It just takes one guy. We've had a hard time, with the exception of Justin Fields, selling true dual threat guys in high school to come to Georgia and because we don't really run that type of offense. We, we have it in the recent past that kind of features their skill set. So it takes one guy to change that. So I think he has the potential to do that for us. We also have Carson Beck as a top 250 prospect coming in as an early enrollee to compete for that position from all accounts. It sounds like DeJuan Mathis is very close to being fully cleared to practice if he hasn't already been fully cleared. Uh, and of course, this will have last year's backup in Stetson Bennett on campus and, and he'll be in, in the middle of the competition as well. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, like just being here in Athens and just and running this podcast and just talking to people, I think the average Georgia fan has kind of already given the starting job to Jamie Newman. Is, is that fair to say, Kurt? The average fan? Um, that's that's you know that's the feel everyone's giving. You know, they're trying not to, but they really are. Yeah, I, I think that's the case, and, and that's okay. It's natural when you have a guy that comes in uh, relatively high profile, as high profile as you could be coming from Wake Forest. But I mean, just in general, if you're a grad transfer, you don't, especially one that did what he did last year, you don't expect to come in and not start. Right, especially when the starting quarterback's moving on, there's no established guy behind him. Uh, it kind of makes sense. Um, so I, I get that, and I'm not criticizing anyone for thinking that. I totally get that, and I probably lean that way myself. But Kurt, I will say, like these other guys that that I mentioned, Juan Mathis. Carson Beck, even Stetson Bennett, these guys are not going to just lay down. Um, and, and you're going to hear all summer about how these guys, uh, really all spring and all summer, about how these guys are battling it out. You're going to hear this from Kirby ad nauseum, right? Because he's not going to want to just give the job to Jamie Newman. He's going to make him earn that, that whole thing. No, I mean, yards. even what you're hearing now, I think when he goes and you know speaks at these touchdown clubs and things like that, he doesn't give it away. Oh, absolutely not. And, and that's just, and that's most coaches are like that. That's very much uh, Kirby's MO. But you're going to hear all about it from him, from everyone, how it's a competition every day. You hear about that hear that word every single press conference that he has. It's a competition. Nothing's been decided. The guys are going out there. They're all competing hard. They all have good days, all have bad days, all have things got to work on. They're all doing things well. You're going to hear that every single time he gets, he gets in front of a microphone because he's going to be asked about it every single time he gets in front of a microphone. So you, you just get used, to, get used to that. Get ready for that. But, Kurt, like, despite what Kirby may or may not say, whatever his public proclamations may be, how much of a competition – do you really, really expect this to be? Not much, honestly. I mean, I think the Stetson can do what he can do, but I think if it, in all honesty, I think it really um, is Jamie Newman's job. And I think, honestly, behind that, it really comes down to the competition between uh, Mathis and Beck, actually, because I think those are the two guys that um, have a better job of potentially taking over the helms. Okay, that, that, there's two points you just made there. I want to touch on both of those. I'm going to start with the first point you made. Uh, when you were essentially saying like, yeah, it's, it's Jamie Newman's job. Like we kind of all know it. it hasn't been said, but like we know it. Uh, but what, what is it about Jamie Newman in this just situation in general that makes you say that and kind of lean that way? I think just his skill set in general. Um, you know, the one thing that he does, I think that, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum about what he can do on the field. And I think that it just in general, I think if you look at our quarterback room, he's definitely, a, I don't want to say head and shoulders above everyone, but I think he really has separated himself from the experience he has on the field and the production he's put out there. I mean, he's gotten attention from scouts and things like that, especially pro football focus. All those um, sports places are giving him a lot of attention and a lot of recognition and credit for what he can do. So it's not like a situation where you're bringing in a Grayson Lambert who, you know, struggled to hold on to his starting position and things like that. Um, you're, you're talking about a guy who, you know, did some big things at Wake Forest and helped them win some ball games. And so yeah. you're coming in with the idea that he's going to be the guy that's, you know, like you mentioned, can make a change in this offense. And I think that we brought him in with the idea that this is his show to run this year. Yeah, we, I mean, this is a guy that pushed for 10 wins 
at Wake Forest. And if he hadn't gotten hurt in the middle of the year, like they had a shot for that if you include their bowl game. Like they had a shot to get 10 wins. And guys, we're talking about Wake Forest. And I know I get it that the uh, ACC was down last year, but ACC being down or not, I don't care. If you can get anywhere near 10 wins, 9, 10 wins away Forest, you're doing something right. And I mentioned that's with them missing a game in the middle of the season and then uh, having a, a shot against Michigan State in that bowl game. They could have easily gotten 10 wins there. Uh, didn't quite hit that mark, but they, they were close. Um, but anytime you can say that at Wake Forest, like you're doing something right. And, and you're right. Like I, I think it's clear if you look at the quarterbacks that we have to work with, Jamie Newman, Stetson Bennett, Carson Beckham is a true freshman. Dewan Mathis is a redshirt freshman who is basically, I don't want to say lo- like his freshman year is a complete wash. It wasn't your, I'll say this, it wasn't your typical redshirt year because he wasn't clear to do much at all most of the year. So it wasn't like he was sitting there working the entire uh, first year on campus. He got to that a little bit late in the season, but he still was never clear for contact. So he's almost like, yeah, he was in the system, but it was a totally different system. So he's almost like a freshman, more outside of like, hey, now I know how to go to class and I know how to live in a dorm, live on my own. Outside of that, like he's basically a freshman still. Um, so when you look at all those options, J.B. Newman is very clearly the most experienced, the, the most accomplished, and just the most polished option that we have. So to me, it, like it would be a major upset for any one of those guys outside of Jamie Newman to win the starting quarterback job. Uh, and I'm not saying like those guys aren't talented. I, I'm actually really high on Duwam I think if he, if he gets cleared, I mean, what we saw, what a little bit we saw from him uh, at G day last year, I, I was impressed. You know, I, I thought this is a guy that has some athleticism, has some ability to throw him the football. I think he has a chance to be a, a good quarterback for us. Potentially. I, I am a pretty big fan of Carson Beck. I think the guy's a winner. Now he's focused full time on, on football and not playing baseball part time. I think, his best football is ahead of him. I'm really high on what Carson Beck can do. And Stetson's a, a nice, he's a nice player to have on your roster. I don't think Stetson's really a, a threat to, to win the job or anything. But all those guys that I just mentioned, like none of them have really any experience to speak of. Except Stetson, and we're talking about like garbage time duty. So like Jamie Newman would have to come in here and just be flat out awful, right, Kurt, to not win this job. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it would, it would take that. So, and I know maybe we're putting the cart before the horse, and you want guys to compete for it. And I get that. Everything that Kirby says about competition—that's what coaches have to say. I get that. Um, but yeah, like I, I think he's clearly the guy heading into twenty twenty. I, I really believe that. Um, now, let me ask you this question, Kirk. Kind of related, but if you had to bet money on it, is Jamie Newman named the starter coming out of spring drills? Will we have an official starting quarterback? At the conclusion of spring practice, I don't think so because that's not Kirby's style. Yeah, that's my only thing. I, I think he he he's always big on the competition thing. Whether he in his mind and the mind of Todd, even Munkin when Jake Fromm had the job, he was never the starter. Yeah, I mean Jake was always competing, right? But even when Justin Fields was here, that that battle went into the spring, uh, went into the uh, into the fall, into the summer. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think Kirby's all about competition, even if like no one really buys that's really competition. He wants to at least give the pretense because he has to make it seem like players are earning it, right? And it's not just for us in our consumption. It's also he's talking to his players. He doesn't want anyone to think, hey, this guy just got the job handed him, especially if you're looking at a grad transfer coming in and you're expecting him to be the leader and gain the respect of his teammates. He can't be seen to have just been given the job, right? Like yeah. he, he has to go out there and he's got to be forced to earn it. And I, and I have every expectation that Jamie Newman will indeed earn that job but for the reasons we just laid out. But I, I think Kirby is going to make him earn it. Um, but here's the so I, I think I side with you there. My one thing here though, Kurt, is when you're going into the summer, right? If 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 it's obvious to everyone on the team, it's obvious to everyone on the staff that Jamie Newman is the guy, isn't there some value in going ahead and naming him the starter so we can have the entire offseason to 
be that leader, the guy that people look to and kind of take charge of this team. Whereas if he's not named the starter, even people think he's going to be the starter, like it's still not the exact same, right? Like people, they might look to you to a degree, but it's different when you're named the starter. Like, like it was different for Jake from going into 2018, 2019, right? When everyone knew from as a guy in 2019, like he was the undisputed leader on the offense. 2018 is a little bit different story, right? So yeah. is, is there some value in potentially naming him the starter? Um, I mean, you could say that, but I mean, even if you don't name it on the outside, people on the inside know. That's true. That's true. I guess it's more about that's what I, yeah, I kind of contradict myself there. It's more about what the te- what how the team sees and what the what the projection is from the coaching staff to the team. And if they if they get it, then they'll follow him regardless. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. You're right in that. Like, I lean towards what you're saying in that Kirby's mo is to make it, is to play it out and make this guy earn it in, in the fall. Um, but there's something about me. I'm just thinking that like, man, like Kirby, like, he, I think he knows what kind of team we could potentially have this year. And he might, and we have a lot of leaders on defense, but we lost a lot of leadership on the offensive side of the ball. So maybe he wants a guy going into the summer in that role and to do that, he's going to go ahead and just name Newman the starter. If he earns it over the spring, I, I don't know. I, I think it's possible, but if I guess if I had to put money on it, I'd lean towards where you are and kind of say that this will go into, into fall camp. But uh, all right. So that's the starting position. And you mentioned the second point you made at the outset here, Kurt was about the backup job. So when you're looking at the backup job, you just kind of threw out Stetson Bennett and just threw him out of the equation, right? That's kind of how – I mean, I, I hate to say it, but realistically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, from a talent perspective, I, mean, I guess he's got more experience. Like, God, that's that's scary to say that he's the most experienced option outside Jamie Newman on the roster. Um, so you're putting it at Dwan Mathis and Carson back. How do you see that backup spot playing out? Um, it's really hard to know. Like you mentioned that you saw some good stuff out of Mathis last spring. Um, yeah. But – Beck is probably the better prospect overall. So, I mean, it's, I think it'll be a great, I think that's probably where you'll see the most competition will actually be for that number two spot. I mean, realistically, it'll probably be Bennett to start the season and things like that. But I think realistically, if there was an injury or something, that it would may come down to the competition between those two guys. Yeah, I'm really interested in this. I, I, to me, this is where the interest lies in the quarterback position. I, I have no, uh, very little doubt. I shouldn't say no doubt. Very little doubt that Jamie Newman's going to be the guy. We've gone over that. But this backup spot's interesting to me because I, I do think Mathis has talent. Uh, I'm curious to see the whole medical issue, how that's going to affect his, the competition in the spring. We'll see. I don't know if uh, even if he's fully fully clear for for contact and that kind of stuff. I mean, quarterbacks are going to take contact in the spring anyway. Uh, and I, I'm curious to see what Carson Beck's going to be able to do in his first practices on campus. Again, this is a guy that for most of his high school career, at least the early part of his high school career, was a football and baseball player. It was a really good baseball player and put a lot of time into that. Uh, his last year and a half, he became a full-time football player. And uh, I'm curious to see how much progress he's going to make now as a, now that football is his full-time focus, what he's going to be able to do. I, I, I think he uh, has a chance to be a good player for us. He's still pretty raw, and I think he has some polishing to do in his game pretty clearly. But I think he has the tools to be a good player for us. He's not as athletic as Carson or as uh, Dewan Mathis, but he's certainly not a statue back there. He can do some things. With his legs. He can he can pick up some first downs uh, and, and, do, and scramble and things like that. And he's not Jamie Newman, but he can he, he's athletic enough. So I'm curious to see how that spot plays out. To me, that's the biggest question going into the spring at the quarterback spot. It ends up being the backup. Um, I, I Honestly, I, I would be surprised if, if Stetson Bennett ends up being the guy. I really would. I really would. I think it's going to be either Mathis or Beck. Um, and I, that probably won't be decided until fall camp either. I, I, I don't think – if, if we don't name a starter, we're certainly not going to name a backup. But it would be really interesting to see 
how those guys progress throughout the spring and kind of, kind of what we're hearing behind the scenes. And of course, when we get to G day, what we see out there on the field. But to me, that's where the intrigue is at the quarterback position is that backup spot. Um, all right, Kurt, uh, what's the one thing? So what we're gonna do for each position, one of the things that we're going to be doing here for, as we go through each position, I'm going to ask you, what are we going to be saying about this position after spring drills concludes? Or Kurt, what are we going to be saying about the quarterback position after spring drills are all over? Um, you know, we may be at the conclusion that, of course, this is 100% Jamie Newman's job and that the rest are just fighting for second. Um, I think that's also, I mean, we're kind of at that now, but I think that will be even more noticeable maybe come the end of spring where I think that, especially as we're trying to learn this Todd Monk and offense, he's going to want to give the people who are more than likely going to be, you know, in control next year and the more reps. Yeah, to me, what we're going to be saying is that we have our man. Whether Kirby wants to say it or not, I think – we're, it's going to be obvious to all of us that we have our starting quarterback, we have our man, we have our guy, and that guy is going to be Jamie Newman. I, I feel pretty confident. I feel really confident saying that. I, I probably lean with you again towards saying we're not going to have a, a an official uh, starter named, but I think we're all going to have a pretty good idea that that guy is going to ultimately be Jamie Newman. And before we move on to the next position group, I do want to remind you guys that today's show is sponsored by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans through in-depth coverage from local writers on every single team out there plus national writers you already know and love like jay glazer mike sando mike lombardi of course on the college football front you've got bruce feldman you've got andy staples you've got Stuart mandel the athletic is setting a new standard for sports news there are no ads no pop-ups no clickbait of any kind it's content created for you guys the fans not for advertisers it really is just great sports writing that tells the story behind the story. You get exclusive player profiles, you get all the deep dives on analytics, you get team power rankings, fantasy sports insights, all the stuff you won't find anywhere else. And each subscriber gets a personalized feed of stories, you get live writer Q&As, and so much more. All you have to do is download the Athletic app, pick your favorite teams, and the Athletic will begin servicing all the latest on the players and storylines that matter to you. It truly is a no-brainer for the true sports fan out there. And if you're ready to get started, get 40% off a yearly subscription right now simply by going to theathletic.com slash overtime. That's theathletic.com slash overtime. Um, all right, let's move on to the wide receivers next here. Now, we all know George Pickens. He's a stud. He's coming off a huge Sugar Bowl performance where he caught 12 balls for 175 yards and a touchdown. And uh, he led the team in receptions, yards, and touchdowns last year as a true freshman. And I think we all expect him to be a legit, like, number one go-to type part next year. Are you with me on that, Kurt? Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah, I, I think most people in Dog Nation are, are with us on that. So if you don't really have any questions about George Pickens and his ability, Kurt, what is it then that's your biggest question about the wide receiver unit heading into the spring? Um, who is going to be the people that are going to help get him open, that are going to try to help stretch the field and allow teams to not just focus in just on George? It's all about the complimentary pieces. That's really what this brings about for me. we got to find somebody, or at least start to find somebody. Because to me, like, the bigger questions, it, it's, it's the pieces around him. It, it, like, it, it can't just be George. Like The elite defenses that we're going to have to play and that we're going to have to beat to get where we want to go, those teams are good enough to take one wide receiver out of the game if that's all you've got. If that's all you've got, those teams can take you away. We've got to have somebody to be a compliment and at least force defenses to th- 
to potentially think about playing defense a little bit different and covering George Pickens in a different way. We've got to have some other options that step up. So, Curry, and I'm with you, that's the question I have too. So if that's the question we both have, who are the guys this spring you expect to, to potentially step up and maybe be those complimentary pieces around George Pickens? Um, I'm keeping my eye on a couple people. I think, of course, you look at Demetrius Robertson. Um, I think you're, the other people right now that I'm going to be looking at, especially coming into the spring, I'm probably going to give a little bit of attention to Micaiah Tone, trying to see how, you know, did he take advantage of this one year of redshirting to get his body in the right position to you know, be a physical yeah. receiver for us. And then it really comes down to the two other big guys we have, and that's going to be um, between the two of Matt Landers and Tommy Bush are going to be able to take a step up, and especially in the spring practice. You know, Tommy Bush had fall some injuries last year, so maybe he gets over the injury bug and establish himself, and maybe Matt Landers builds on that one touchdown catch he finally got. <laughs> I was really happy for him. Was what a tough year it was for him, and, and for us to watch too. I gotta say that, but man, it was really good for him to maybe start building some confidence heading into twenty twenty. Uh, D Rob, the first guy you mentioned there, Kurt, like he is now officially a senior. This is his last chance. We were all a couple years ago. We were all so excited about him coming in here, getting him as a transfer from Cal, and a lot of us, including myself, expected him to have a much bigger impact earlier on his career. That did not happen in year one. Uh, didn't happen in 2018. 2019, he started off pretty well. But he had some injuries that kind of that kind of hamstrung him a little bit towards the middle part and end part of the season. But it's now or never for D-Rob, is it not? 100%. And I think the one thing that's going to help him is I think that Monk can run some more type of offense. I'm not going to say we're going to run what Cal ran, but it's more similar to what they run, and hopefully he'll feel more comfortable and it'll give him an opportunity to flourish in this offense. Well, we'll, we'll attack space a little bit more. If, if, I mean, at least if you – Look at what Tom Munkin's done in the past. We're going to spread the field a little bit more. We're going to attack space, create matchup advantages, and hopefully those are things that will free up D-Rod to be more productive than he was in his first year or two. He had a solid year last year, but he certainly was not uh, what we all expected him to to be once we first found out he was coming here to Athens. So hopefully he can get closer to being that guy. I don't know if he's ever going to be, be that number one guy because I think George Pickens is that guy. So I don't have ever live up to that high, very high, maybe unrealistic expectation that we all had from coming in uh, here to Georgia, but I, I think he's like, we need him to be at least a 500 yard type receiver. Like we definitely need that from him. We need him to be a guy that can stretch the field that we can create some matchup uh, uh, that matchups that are in our favor that allow him to get vertical down the field and create some big play opportunities. That way we can take some of the pressure off of a guy like George Pickens. Uh, and you mentioned a couple guys there, Tommy Bush, you mentioned Matt Lanners and Micaiah tongue. Um, I'm going to throw a couple other names in there too, Kurt, Trey Blunt and Justin Robinson. Uh, Justin Robinson is a true freshman coming in from Eagles Landing here as, a, as a, um, a member of this 2020 recruiting class. Trey Blunt's a guy who's been here for years now and has just basically, I mean, God bless him, hasn't been much of a factor at all. I'm honestly at this point so surprised he's on the team. And I, I just and I said I'm surprised he hasn't entered the transfer port, which is maybe so a possibility after this spring. Do you expect anything from Trey Blunt and or Justin Robinson this spring? Um, I think Justin Robertson is a little bit uh, – Justin Robinson is a little off. I think he needs to refine his skills. The guy's a very physical person. Um, but I think he needs to learn the other things, to, you know, all the techniques and things sure, like that, which will make him better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Trey Blunt, I'm not expecting much of. To me, it sounds terrible, but he's just a guy you'll see waving the towel on the sidelines. And I hate, I mean, from all accounts, he's an incredible young man, and I, I really wish him the absolute best. I'm not trying to to hate on him or anything like that. I just, if I'm trying to objectively look at his at his chances to make an impact, I, I guess I what I would say is if he hasn't done it yet, like with all the help that we needed last year, receiver, if he couldn't sniff the field last year with all the issues we had at receiver last year, yeah, I have we a hard were practically time begging, like just desperate for our guys to step up, and no one, I mean, yeah, and he didn't even get a sniff, like he didn't. 
all the injuries we had, all the issues. I mean, just he didn't. So, like, why would I expect him to come in and make a big impact this year? I hope he does. I hope he proves me wrong. I really, I, I root for all of our guys. I really, really wish him the best. And I hope for, for our sake and his sake that he has a breakout year. I just, I don't know if we can realistically expect that right now. Justin Robinson, I'm actually really high on him coming in this year. I'm really happy he's here for the spring. It's certainly going to be a, a learning curve from this year. There's going to be some adjustment coming into the college level. But I'm glad that that adjustment's going on for him this spring, as opposed to the summer. I do think it'll be it'll put him a little bit of a leg up on some of the other guys, like like Rosamie and Burton and Smith coming in. And I'm really high on him. I think he's got a big physical body, as you mentioned. But I think he's an underrated athlete. He was really underutilized. He goes lane. They just don't really throw the football that much. But I think this is a guy that can come. I think he can come in and be a playmaker for us. He's got that big body, can go up and win at the top of the route. I, I guess I think he's got an underrated uh, athleticism to his game. Not necessarily a burner, but plenty fast enough. And I think he could be a sleeper at the wide receiver position. Just watch that, watch for that name. Micaiah Tung is also a guy I'm really kind of intrigued by. He uh, came in as a member of the 2019 class. As a bigger guy, bigger physical body, 6'2", 200-ish pounds. Uh, was a redshirt candidate. Not candidate. He did redshirt last year. So he's going to be coming in and try to make a mark here in the spring and kind of try to catch the attention of the offensive staff. And I think he's got a shot because, um, you know, and we'll see how much Kirby still has how much influence he still has the offense, but we know Kirby's big on blocking. I don't know if that's ever going to change, like him being big on wide receivers being able to block. And I think Micaiah Tung is a guy that's going to be able to go out there and do that, as a guy like Justin Robinson will be able to as well. But Tommy Bush is another name I'm really intrigued by. Uh, I think he has a chance to be a, a major contributor for us this year. If you had to put money on it right now, Kurt, Tommy Bush or Matt Landers being more of a contributor in 2020? Uh, Tommy Bush, I think that he's younger, and you heard more about him coming into the year before that sports hernia injury. Uh, Matt Landers is kind of who he is at this point. See, I, I, I'm not ready to give up on Landers completely. I'm not ready to give up on him, but I think that from what we have to go on, that Tommy Bush is just waiting for the opportunity. Yeah, we just don't know on Tommy Bush. Like We just don't know because we haven't seen him really at all uh, on the field. Matt Landers we've at least seen, so we kind of know like, oh, my God, I don't know if I have, if I have much faith in that guy. Uh, maybe Landers is, is a better is better than Tommy Bush. We just don't know that. But like the unknown of not seeing Tommy Bush at least gives us some hope. Maybe he could be better than Landers. But I think Landers has the upside. He has so much potential. Um, he's just kind of start actually catching the football, and I think a lot of it's in his head. I think it's confidence, and uh, he's got to straighten that stuff out. And if he does, I think he'd be a good player. And Tommy Bush has got the frame, the profile to be able to do it. I'm very intrigued to see what he looks like this spring. Um, so yeah, we'll see there. Uh, if I had to put money on it. Mm, you know what, since what we saw what we saw from Landers last year, I, I would go with Tommy Bush as well, even though I haven't seen anything from him, just because we know that he's not – at least we don't know for sure that he's terrible. Like We kind of feel like with Matt Landers right now. But, uh, Kurt, what are we going to be saying about the wide receiver room after spring practice? Hopefully we want us, uh, that we see a little clear uh, clarity of what we're going to do, of who we have outside George that's going to step up. Um, that's where I really hope that we're at. Yeah, well, for me, what I, I know this sounds going to not sound great, but – I think one of the things we're going to be saying is like, uh, when do the freshmen arrive this yeah, summer? Yeah, I was going to say, when, when, when do the freshmen arrive? Yeah, when do Rosemi and Burton and Smith get here? Uh, because with the exception of Bush and Robinson, because again, we just don't know those guys yet. We haven't really seen them. With the exception of those two guys, I just don't know that we have the game changers on campus right now outside of George Pickens. D-Rob is probably the closest to, to being that, but we haven't seen it yet from him. I'm hopeful, but we just haven't seen it yet. Micaiah Tongue, we haven't really seen him either. Trey Blunt, like again, like, the guy came on the field last year, like how do we expect him to be a game changer this year? And of course, Donovan Blaylock's out injured. Kiaris Jackson's a guy, but like Kiaris, I think is a solid player, but I don't think Kiaris is a difference maker. Like, did you see that from him last year? Uh, no, I saw someone similar to. I mean, to me, it's just a reincarnation of Tyler Simmons. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a good analogy. I, I think he's a good solid piece and a good con- a solid contributor, but I don't see a game changer there. Hopefully, he proves me wrong too this year. But um, yeah, I think we're all gonna be saying like, when do those those uh, other other little to- shiny toys get here? Uh, Rosemary, Burton, and Smith, because I think we might be relying on one or two of those guys in 2020 at the wide receiver position. But before we move on to discuss the other positions on the offensive side of the ball. I want to remind you guys about our good friends at MyBookie. It is championship week for college basketball. It has finally arrived, and it is time to score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the best place for you to cash in on all the always exciting conference tournament games, every buzzer beater, and all the improbable upsets. Championship week is where legends are truly made, and you don't want to be the one to miss out on the action. MyBookie offers live bang on every single game, so you can watch it up to the minute, and when you're finally ready to uh, pull the trigger, go ahead and get on MyBookie and pull the trigger at any point during the game. They got bracket challenges, national championship futures, and so much more. You can bet on almost anything, including the Democratic nomination, the presidential election coming up in a couple months, even the name of the next pope. MyBookie caters to all players, whether you research each matchup or you fill out your bracket based on the mascots. MyBookie has something for you. Join now and start winning big today. If you're sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout, MyBookie's the answer. They pay fast when you win, decades of experience, the best customer service, and hassle-free transactions. Why would you bet anywhere else? Visit MyBookie.ag and use the promo code UGA for a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code UGA. Bet with the biggest, win with the best, only at MyBookie. All right, moving along here, our rivals are kind of getting a kick, Kurt, uh, kind of just harping on all the offensive linemen that we lost off of last year's squad with Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, Solomon Kinley declaring for the draft, and then, of course, the player that should remain nameless on this show heading north. Uh, and, of course, Sam Pittman has moved on to take the Arkansas head job. We all know that. And, look, I know we are Georgia guys, so naturally you kind of want to push back on that narrative a little bit when it's coming from your rivals. But but are they on to something, Curtis? How concerned are you about the offensive line heading into spring drills? I um, mean, I'm not that very concerned. I mean, the fact is that we were still recruiting at a very high level the last couple of years. Um, we kind of knew we were going to lose these guys. So, I mean, I think our coaches knew this going into this year especially, or that last year that more than likely you lose both tackles and things like that. Um, so I think the biggest yeah. thing is that we still have the talent. And, I mean, look at as good as all these players that we left, we sent three guys to the combine, did all these things, and yet our, I thought our offensive line underperformed. So um, my biggest thing is I think that right now, especially with the change in offense, I think that we have a change in leadership that can probably get this offensive line in a position and go a different route than just the big guys that were road graders. I mean, running some other the inside and outside zone, seventy five plus percent of the time. I mean, you kind of saw it a nice. little bit in the uh, the bowl game. I thought our offensive line was doing things that we hadn't done all season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you saw the influence in a short time of Matt Luke. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of influence he has with an entire season to work with them. Um, yeah, like I, I think there are. It's fair to be concerned to a degree because we are losing a lot of experience, a, a lot of talent. I, I don't know if the offensive line performed as well as we all thought they would last year, but I think a big part of it was also just the just the state of our passing game in general with the boxes they had to face, it was tough to do anything. Like they, they could beat their guy. Like they could block their guy, but there's, there are too many unblocked defenders in the box too consistently. And I don't really put that on the offensive. I know the, the rush numbers weren't there. We weren't hitting home run plays like we were in the past. Um, but again, I think a lot of that had to do with just the absolute abysmal state of our passing game. 
Um, but and look, we were losing some talented players. I'm not going to sit here and discount that. But we've recruited really well on the offensive line. And Sam Pittman, he left us with a, with the with a cupboard full. He certainly did. Um, but when you look at the offensive line, offensive line that we lost from last year, Kurt, which of those departing linemen are going to be the most difficult to replace this year? Um, Andrew Thomas, I think left tackle is just that position in general. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I figure that's what you would say. So my next question is. Who are the options to replace them? Like, who do you think enters G-Day as the starter at left Um, Right now, you're hearing a lot of buzz around Jamari Salyer. I mean, the guy kind of yeah. does fit what we had a couple years ago in Isaiah Wynn, so maybe he could come in and be similar to that. Um, But outside that, you probably have um, Xavier, Xavier Trust, Trust. like that yeah. also. Yeah, I think I'm hearing a lot of the same thing you're hearing, that Trust was the initial idea, but uh, and the coaches are high on him. But we're also – Matt Luke at least – is curious about what Salyer can do at the left tackle position because he's got some athleticism. Now, he certainly does not, as you mentioned, have the ideal measurables for a left tackle with the length and, and things of that nature. But he is uh, an athletic guy who has good footwork. And he does kind of – I think he's a bigger version of Isaiah Wynn, honestly, who was, uh, maybe didn't have the length that you have traditionally at left tackle, but has good solid forwards, good athlete, can go out there and uh, and play and more than service. I mean, Isaiah Wynn turned into a first-round pick for the Patriots. So I think that's the guy I'm watching first and foremost. And then if it's not him, I think Xavier Truss, the uh, the big offensive tackle from Rhode Island, is the other guy to watch there who's got more of the protocol measurables for a left tackle than than Salyer. Um, although I don't know if he's quite as athletic as Jamari is. Warman Clinton would be the other option, I think. But I think he would be more of a fit at right tackle. So I think those are the three names, though. I think it's McClendon, Salyer, and Truss, and maybe Owen Condon, who should be back fully healthy off the ACL injury that he was kind of working through last year. Like those are the four guys who had a tackle right now in the spring. So if you had, so you're saying Sire at left tackle, who do you project as of right now? I mean, I know this is a total guess. Who do you project coming to G day as the starter at right tackle? Um, Probably trust. Um, I think yeah. you'll see them kind of rotate back and forth. Um, like you said, even McClendon could get a look and things like that, but those are probably the two, three main guys I'd probably go with. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Uh, what about the interiors? We still feel like Trey Hill has the center job locked up. Um, yeah, I think you're going to see Trey Hill. You're probably also going to see um, Clay Webb, Clay Webb, um, Justin Schaefer, and also um, while well, my Warren mind was blank, um, the guy who played there in the bowl game. Yeah, Warren Erickson. Yeah, yeah, Warren Erickson. I thought he did a pretty dang good job for someone who they had expected to play center. Yeah, absolutely. So I think center is going to be uh, is going to be locked down by Trey Hill. I think you're probably going to have Clay Webb be the backup there. Clay Webb also be in the mix at, at guard as well. Uh, ben Cleveland, from all accounts, is back is back with the team after an academic issue. So like, if you had to handicap it, Kurt, like, are, are we going to go ahead and kind of pencil in Ben Cleveland that right guard spot? If I, I mean, probably yes. I think so. I think it'll be a competition like every other position. Like Kirby makes it clear. It'll be a competition, but with his experience, his size, strength, power, all of that, I think he's – I would at least pencil him at the right guard position. There'll be some competition there. He'll get pushed, but I think he's going to be the guy there considering he was platooning with the guy who shall remain nameless on this show, and that guy's gone. So it kind of makes sense that Cleveland will be kind of plugged in there. Left guard is where we're going to have some competition. That's a wide-open competition, I think. Or would you agree with me if I said Justin Schaefer's probably the guy that will get the first look there? He started the game last year. When, when Kenley goes down the Notre Dame game, it was uh, it was Schaefer the first guy off the bench. He starts two games, and he gets a neck sprain. He's out for the rest of the year. I think he'd probably get the first look there 
But don't don't count out guys like Erickson. I thought he played well, like you said, in the bowl game. Uh, Clay Webb is a, was a five-star guy coming out of the state of Alabama. I think he'll get a look there. So there are some options. Um, but I think if I had to handicap right now, I would say Justin Schaefer was probably the leader in the clubhouse there. But I think the competition is relatively open at left guard. Uh, that'll be fun. To, that'll be probably the, the most interesting position on the offensive line to watch outside of left tackle, in my opinion, at least on the interior. But uh, all right, Kurt, what are we going to be saying about the offensive line after G-Day? That we may be still, although we've lost a lot, we're probably still going to be in good hands going forward. That's exactly where I am. I think fears will be, will be put at ease, and uh, I think we'll be saying that we're going to be just fine on the offensive line. Maybe not as dominant. Maybe the national narrative won't be that we're going to be this just killer offensive line like it was last year. But I think your your hardcore Georgia fan will watch and see and be like, you know what, I feel pretty good about where we are along the offensive line. All right, and finally today, let's wrap things up with the running back position. Obviously, we are losing DeAndre Swift. Uh, those are some big shoes to fill. He's been the guy for us the past two seasons. He's been an elite running back. Make no mistake about that. But we do, however, return a couple of guys with some solid experience. So, Kurt, what is your biggest question about the running back room heading into the spring? To me, honestly, who's going to step up and be the number two guy behind Zamir White? I mean, the guy may end up being number one, but who's going to be that that number that uh, that dynamic duo with Zamir? Okay, so you're going ahead and giving Zamir White that number one job. And I think that's I'm not going to give him the number one Passat, but I'm going to give him one, he's the odds one, on favorite. one or two. Yeah, or give him, you know, you know, he's part of that duo. I just need to know who's going to be his Batman or be who, who's going to be his Robin. Either way, who's going to be his partner in crime? Okay, so he's going to be, at the very least, part of that one-two punch. Whether yeah. he's going to be punch number one or punch number two, he's going to be a punch. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Um, who do you think emerges as that guy? I know, we, like, we don't know. That's what this what spring is for competition. To me, right? I, I have a sneaky feeling about Kenny McIntosh right now. Um, I, I think really they do, do a too, lot. I, I think that they may be doing stuff with James Cook more than just running back. I really do. And from all accounts that I've heard around town here, um, and I'm hoping to be able to get out to a practice. Uh, we'll see if that actually works out. I don't know. Ugh, maybe fingers crossed. Um, but uh, James Cook is, is, from what I hear, has added some good solid weight and he hasn't really lost much speed. Um, he's getting close to the 200 mark, which is solid for a guy like that, and that's what he needed to be to like to be in the into like it to like really kind of factor in the equation of like, hey, can this guy be like a true every down type number two back? Can he be that guy, or maybe number one back? Who knows? I think he's gotten his body where it needs to be, so I think he's certainly gonna be a factor there. But you're right, I still think he has some versatility that other backs maybe don't have, and that can allow us to do different things. I also, and I mentioned this in, on a show a couple weeks ago, go back and look at. Tom Huggins history, he really likes that 20 personnel, at least in the college game. And what I mean by that is two running backs, no tight ends. So I think we're going to have two running backs on the field more often than we have in the recent past. And uh, we're going to be able to do some interesting things with that formation. At least I, I, I'm hopeful that we can. I, I watch a lot of college football, and I see a lot of teams do a lot of very interesting things when you have two uh, tailbacks in the backfield at the same time. I would really like to see us explore – uh, the possibilities of what we can do with that formation and that personnel grouping. So I think that will certainly help James Cook. But I'm with you. I have this sneaky feeling about Kenny McIntosh. I really like the guy. I know he was the most highly rated recruit, but some people act like Kenny McIntosh was like a like a, a two-star recruit. This dude was a, a, a top 200 recruit nationally. He's like borderline top 150. Uh, so he's a, a solid four-star recruit. That's a really highly rated guy. No one to five-star, but still a really good player coming out of high school. Sometimes we get too stuck up on five-stars. Um, and I and I know we didn't see much of him last year, but I really liked what I saw from him. I really like his vision. I like his lateral agility. He's not a burn necessarily, but I think he's a guy that can come in at the very least, be a solid number two, potentially behind Zamir White. Um, and another thing I'm going to throw out there, Kurt, coming in from California, what about Kendall Milton? I think I can be a weapon. Um, it just depends to see how quickly he can translate everything over. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm excited he's here for the spring. 
I think that kind of like Justin Robinson, it, like, there's going to be some growing pains and there's going to be a learning curve. I'm very glad. I think it's always a benefit when that learning curve and those growing pains can happen during the spring. So you kind of hit the ground running in the fall because that's really where you win and lose jobs. Like you can put yourself, like the spring is where you can kind of put yourself in position to win a job. Like you're on the radar for coaches and uh, they'll give you those shots in the fall, but the fall is really where you win them. So I, I, I have a feeling he's a guy that, that can come in and certainly compete for that number two spot. I don't know if he's going to be a, the number one guy right away. I still, I'm with you, Curtis. I'm siding with Zamir White. There's some things Zeus needs to cl- clean up in his game. We went over that in one of our performance reviews episodes a couple of weeks ago. I would like to see him run with a little bit of vision. Uh, I like to see him get out there in the open field and make guys miss a little bit more consistently instead of just kind of just putting his shoulder down and running through people. We saw the power from him. We know what he brings to the, to the table in that regard. But I want to see a little bit more from him in, in terms of being a more well-rounded tailback. And I think with more carries and a full year back from this uh, from the injuries – I, I think we're going to see that from Zamir White, uh, but the, I th- still think he has some questions to answer there. But I, I would still put him as as the odds on favorite to be the number one guy, with a, a pretty open competition for that two spot. I think we're going to try to find a way to get multiple guys the football, um, but it'd be very very interesting. McCurl, what are you going? What are we going to be saying about the running back spot after spring drills conclude? All is calm. All is calm. Uh, I yeah, I'm with you. Um, for me, it's kind of what I just laid out there. I think we're gonna be saying like Zeus looks like the guy, but that number two spot is still wide open. It's gonna be wide open going into the fall. Uh, but let me, real quick before we get out of here, Kurt, one more thing about the running backs. Do you think we have a guy on campus right now that can be that that's truly gonna be a, that number one alpha that guy like DeAndre Swift was for us? I don't think we have an alpha right now, but I think that we have kind of what we had two years ago when Swift was kind of hurt for a while where you had Harry and, and um, Holyfield carrying the load, but they were still very serviceable. Yeah. You saw Holyfield get to the thousand yard mark. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if we had that one alpha yet based on what we've seen. I think, is it fair to say that Zeus is the closest to maybe being that guy? Yeah, I think that is true. Yeah, so that's kind of why I, I kind of default to him being the number one guy. because I don't think he's there yet, like DeAndre Swift level, but I think he's the guy that is the closest to ultimately end up being that guy for us this year. But all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. We really appreciate all you guys taking time out of your day to listen to the show, support us here on the podcast, and we will have you guys covered later in the week for part two of our spring practice preview series where we will focus our attention exclusively on the defense, talk each and every position, look at the position battles, talk about the storylines, look at the big picture just like we do the offense. So we'll have that for you guys at the end of this week leading into the opening of spring camp next week. I know you guys are probably just as excited as we are about this, about actually having some legitimate on-field football to be talking about over the next month or so. So we will have you guys covered all throughout spring camp. So make sure to be checking back with us, not just later this week, but throughout spring practice as well. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thank you guys very much for listening. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>